Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Happy Monday, if such a thing exists. Today, I'll be talking about four things that Malachi Martin, author of this book, Windswept House, and many others, most definitely got right. The topic is relevant because so many people down through the last three decades of Roman Catholic recent history have accused him of being a phenomenal, fantastical liar. I used to buy into this more until I did a reading group on the Quite Frankly channel. We read the book. I was staggered at how much he predicted correctly that doesn't even get talked about now. So today's show will be four things that he definitely got right. By the way, I'm endorsing within those four concepts four to eight other things that he probably got right. But the topic of today's show is four things that he most certainly did get right that you never hear anyone talk about. It switched my overall view on Malachi Martin from thumbs down to thumbs up. You need to hear about it. We're going to get into it in just one second. On the Rules for Retrogrades channel, we are debuting Don't Go to College, we being my co-author, Dr. Michael J. Robillard and myself on Regnery Books. Tonight, I will be on One America News Network on the uh, Kara McKinney Show, a.k.a. Tipping Point. And you can see me there talking about why we say don't go to college and reasons therefore. Check that out. That will be very exciting. Also, in a couple weeks or so, we will have the return of one Stephanie Gordon to the channel, and we'll be talking about the second edition of Ask Your Husband. You know, the book had some undue troubles. We're going to talk about how you guys can get your hands on some more copies of this book. One quick note, those of you internationally who ordered from us direct copies of the second edition of Ask Your Husband, you need to contact us because we're having a little bit of trouble getting you the book. It should not be a big deal, but uh, shipping costs have gone sky high over the last six months. Give us a contact at timothyjgordon at timothyjgordon.com. If you are international, ordered a signed copy by Steph Gordon of Ask Your Husband and have not yet received it in the mail, we have an explanation for you and a solution as well. Okay. Remember, as always, to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. That's the only way you're going to be able to see these videos regularly. Finally, get out of your blue state, get to a red state, particularly those states from Texas to Florida. Go to realestateforlife.org to do so, especially prior to this fall's midterm elections, where things can get crazy and they'll definitely get more onerous on you. Get out of your state while you still can. Get to a red state. Go to realestateforlife.org. Okay, I've got this stack of books and a concept show for you today. Four things that this mysterious, enigmatic Jesuit, Malachi Martin S.J., definitely got right when it comes to his claims in Windswept House. Now, on TNT four years ago, Taylor Marshall and I did a show where both of us expressed what turns out to be all too typical doubt that is undue as to the word of 
Father Malachi Martin. And I've since then backed off on that and said, oh, I don't know. There seems to be ground for believing him. After reading in a reading group uh, on the Quite Frankly channel, the Windswept House book, which I've been planning to do for half a decade to a decade, I am really, really impressed because of four indisputable facts, historical facts, that Malachi Martin not only presciently called out, this is what to expect in the church over the next 25 years, he wrote the book 25 years ago, but surprising historical detail as well. We're going to talk about four of them today, and you'll probably notice four to eight other conceptual corollaries that are not quite proven, but are strongly insinuated by these four definite facts that Malachi Martin got right before anybody else. The first of these four come from the person, the character in the book, known as Agnes, who is a real person in real life. Uh, Stephen Brady of Roman Catholic Faithful has covered this over the last 15 years. Uh, returned to tradition, did a little story on the real-life Agnes about four years ago. And um, she's been covered as an interest, uh, a peculiarity, and really a sad story within the church by other outfits as well. So it's all but shored up. Now, who is Agnes? Whether you've read Windswept House or you haven't read the book, she is the character in both the index and the introduction, and later toward the end of the book, she's mentioned again, as the ritual victim of a satanic rape in the Chicago coven of clerics in the Roman Catholic uh, clergy, particularly in America, that was known for having multiple covens of satanic activity spread across the United States, we will talk about one of the American leaders, according to Malachi Martin, which another fact, which is part of this first fact, Agnes, which seems to be vindicated. Let's get into it now. So Agnes was an 11 or 12-year-old girl that was the ritual rape victim in what is now called the enthronement to Satan ceremony, which, according to Martin, took place both in the Vatican, he says it was in 1963. Stephen Brady says it was actually in 1957. This is part of the artistic license that Martin must have hailed when he uses the term faction, fact fiction. But the important things are all there, all the elements of truth. This Agnes character now is a well-known, or a somewhat well-known woman in one of the Southern American states who made her story more open starting about 15 years ago. She emerged again about four years ago and, and spoke about her traumatic experience as the victim of a ritual rape, allegedly by many, many sources, corroborated by many sources, led by two very famous clerics, one of whom is Cardinal Bernadin of Chicago. This is shocking. Now, Church Militant has covered Cardinal Bernadine. It This is not brand new stuff. Let me read to you what Stephen Brady says about it. 
This is shocking. Agnes and the Bernadin legacy. In sworn deposition, according to Brady, and accounts according to investigators and affidavits submitted in support of others' cases, others' sexual abuse cases, indirect statements to Bernadin, in phone calls and in letters to church officials, and in correspondence with Vatican officials, Agnes has testified to the following story. In the fall of 1957, once again, uh, Martin said it was June 29th, the Feast of Peter and Paul, 1963. It looks like it happened about six years earlier. In the fall of 1957, in Greenville, South Carolina, Father Joseph Bernadin raped 11-year-old Agnes as part of a satanic ritual that involved, among others, Bishop John Russell, also a character in Windswept House, or Russiton is his name. <laughs> He's not subtle about his, his slight name changes of Charleston, brought to the event by an abusive father, Agnes was, quote, able at first to resist Bishop Russell physically out of the knowledge that, quote, God had made me good, not bad as I was being told I was. Direct quote from grown Agnes. Bernadin then showed kindness and approval of her resistance in order to gain her trust and to get her to relax, and then he raped her. He followed the rape with a perverted use of a I believe, consecrated host in an attempt to make Agnes swallow the guilt of the event. In fall of 1992, Agnes, which is not her real name, passed a polygraph examination regarding these events. She also, in early 1990, told her story to Malachi Martin, who would memorialize it six and a half years later, who had been recommended to her as someone who could get her information to the Vatican, which Agnes knew had sole and immediate jurisdiction over such a case. Martin went on to write the novel Windswept House with the premise that Agnes had given him that the Catholic hierarchy's tolerance of heresy, liturgical abuse, clerical sexual misconduct, and clerical pedophilia had one overarching explanation at root. A network of Satanists whose smoke had ascended high into the church. Okay, now, as I've mentioned in recent episodes of Rules for Retrogrades, Martin made the date, uh, the nine-year anniversary of which would be memorialized by Paul VI's famous now, and historical, Smoke of Satan entering the Sanctuary of God speech, which took place allegedly on, uh, actually took place on June 29th, 1972, which would be the nine-year anniversary of the date that Malachi Martin is probably a fictitious date, date gives, June 29th, 1963. For the rape of Agnes, Malachi Martin claims that Paul VI knew about this. And as we move into the other three items that he, de- and I'm not sure if that's correct or not, but as we get into the other three items that are definitely indisputably correct, or appear to be indisputably correct, We'll understand what the purpose of the inclusion, whether it's fact or fiction, in Martin's novel of Paul VI's knowledge of the papal enthronement was to to Satan. Um, Okay, whether it's 1957, as it appears to be, or 1963, one Agnes, a little girl, was raped. She lives now somewhere in my neck of the woods in one of the southern states. 
And she's spoken of her story many, many times and corroborated the evidence with sworn statements and sounds like, I don't know if it's recorded phone calls um, between parties that were involved. So here's what's slightly less certain about this first fact, which is certain. There was a real Agnes. Martin did not make this up. She was raped. It sounds like all but indisputably, according to Agnes's account anyway, by the late Cardinal Bernadine, who has been covered by uh, outfits like Church Militant that, that definitely uh, mind their P's and Q's and, and check their uh, journalistic facts by Cardinal Bernadine. And it was part of some sort of satanic enthronement. Now, now the facts here, as I'm just attempting to comment on them, become a little squishy, but they're insinuated, they carry some insinuations that I believe are almost as solid as the fact that there is a real-life Agnes and she did know Cardinal Bernadine, who, according to her, raped her. Slightly less certain inclusions are the purpose of the satanic enthronement, which was to grant what Martin calls an availing time of give or take 40 years. The availing time explains a fact which cannot otherwise be explained. This is given all the possible facts that any of us have access to. What is that explanation for? The, pa- the uh, apparent ostensible papal impotency of someone like a John Paul II, maybe even a Benedict XVI, although he falls outside of that 40-year span. The availing time is allegedly, according to Martin, I'm not certain about this, I wouldn't bet my life on this, but this is his claim, and it makes a lot of sense, that in the decades of the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and I guess you'd include the 60s as well, even the semi-good popes, or better, depending on your view of John Paul II, who were not down with the, the, the satanic spirit of Vatican II reforms, which Martin does affirm were satanic. And remember, he was a, an undersecretary to Cardinal, uh, Augustine Cardinal Bea, so he would know. And he was a friend of uh, Pope John XXIII. The availing time held impotent the power of the good popes to stand against these satanic changes occurring within the church's liturgy, within its calendar changes, within its uh, ritual changes, within its cultural changes, and within its uh, moral theological assault by the dissenters on what would be what can only be seen as the mainstream moral theological positions in the church, especially on se- sexual ethics the main issue in moral theology of our day, trying to change the sexual ethics and make porneia and sodomy in its broader sense acceptable, even though this can't be changed. So the availing time, according to Martin, is 40 years, whereupon the, ch- the popes, even if they want to stand against this program of Satanization, Luciferianization of the church, cannot do so, cannot do much at all to defend the church. That is perhaps the only way, when one looks at the granular details, 
that John Paul II can have been a true lover of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, as those who knew him best claim strongly. He loved Jesus. He loved Our Lady. He loved Joseph, the terror of demons. But he did nothing to oppose the enemies of the Holy Family, and he did much that uh, apparently was an aid to them, especially in Episcopal appointments and appointments to the Cardinalate. So, this is a sort of corollary that's insinuated but not proven by the fact, the indisputable fact of Agnes, her relationship allegedly to Cardinal Bernadine, an alleged satanic enthronement. These enthronement, these things are, for for our intents and purposes, um, pretty pretty well established. Less established are whether there's a real availing time of forty years. Even though it's, I don't know, it's, it's in the cards. It seems to be a good explanation for what otherwise can't be explained. The dates that Martin chooses in the book seem to be jumbled around a little bit, not super accurate. But that doesn't really matter. He covers this by saying, I wrote a book of faction, fact fiction. 40 years specifically, is this a real thing where you have to do a ritual rape and enthrone Satan inside the Vatican and at a church uh, outside of the Vatican in the United States South? Does that gain 40 years of a time of heightened potency for Satan? I don't know how this works, but it's not implausible the way some of the normies in the church continue to believe. I don't any longer believe that this is implausible, and there is reason to consider it. So Agnes, Cardinal Bernadine, Satanic Enthronement, this is number one fact, which, I mean, according to strong allegations, seems to be beyond almost any doubt, as far as one can tell. Number two, 100% beyond any doubt. Malachi Martin in Windswept House, where's my copy of the book? In Windswept House has as sort of final and formal, formal cause of all of the satanic coven activity in the American church, the forced resignation of a recent pope. The forced resignation agents are, according to Malachi Martin, a sort of mafia. A Sankt Gallen mafia, if you will. This Malachi Martin got right 25 years prior to now, about 20 years prior to the outing of the fact that there's such a thing as the Sankt Gallen mafia by any, like, Cardinal Gottfried de Niels, who really told on his own crew the Sankt Gallen Mafia, or books like Julia Maloney's excellent Sankt Gallen Mafia book, which would come out somewhere between 20 and 25 years after Malachi Martin tells of it. So this is indisputable fact number two that is quite compelling when we consider the following. A, no one knew about it. B, he, he said that there was a cadre or a mafia, if you will, of... Pope resignation forcing crew inside the church who were attempting to make this forced resignation on Pope number 264. 
as we know, Pope number 265, his successor on the throne of Peter, is the one that might or might not have been forced out, but did retire under circumstances where health is the given reason, just as JP2's health was the given reason in this, number 264, even though his health was fine, he cited his health as uh, for signing a letter that would have jeopardized his pontificate and given over to this cadre the ability to make the final call on whether or not he resigns. Well, Pope 265 resigned over nine years ago now for reasons of health, even though we all knew his mind is still uh, a sharp Teutonic tack, if you will, Benedict XVI. And we know, more interestingly, my friends, that fully five, by my count, five of the characters in Windswept House that are part of this Pope resignation forcing mafia of JP2 are listed and are five of whom we know to be alumni of the Sankt Gallen Mafia who might or might not have forced the resignation of Benedict XVI, but wanted to avoid his pontificate and wanted to pressure him out of accepting the pontificate. That much is fact. Let's just go through that real quick. The odds of a fiction writer, if you were writing a true fiction novel rather than what Malachi Martin, our author, calls a faction novel, listing a historical anomaly, uh, a papal resignation by itself hasn't happened in 800 years. A, that's, that would be strange if he didn't have actual knowledge. But let's get a little more granular as part of fact number two that he called. It was forced by a cadre of mafia that, as we'll see in facts number three and four in a few moments, uh, had to do with the modernization of the church under Luciferian terms, you know, at the behest of those who wanted to, for all intents and purposes, end the pontificate as it had stood for 2,000 years. That much alone would be remarkable. And the fact that it happened to the Pope after the one that Malachi Martin alleged it would happen to, 265 instead of 264, is remarkable. Now, it gets even more remarkable when we consider that Pope number 265 was very specifically denoted talking about Benedict XVI, as being essentially an extension of pontificate number 264. Ratzinger was known as an extension of John Paul II. And John Paul II, who was losing his mind due to Parkinson's over a, a 10 or 12 year period, uh, seriously, seriously ought to be considered essentially a win for Martin a correct prediction for Martin. He wrote this book fully eight years before John Paul II would actually die. He was on his way out because of Parkinson's for a long time. But what we know about the beginning of the St. Gallen Mafia, their stated years of operation began the very year this published was published. So Martin couldn't have known about the formal meetings of the St. Gallen Mafia. What he knew about was in those last nine years of John Paul II's life, between the publication of this book and the conclave of 2005, which gave us Benedict XVI, that was also 
corrected predictly, uh, predicted correctly was that uh, the Sankt Gallen types feared John Paul II's pontificate. They didn't like it. It's one of the longest pontificates in the history of Roman Catholicism. And they viewed the prefect for the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith under JP II, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, as the most papabile, the most popable, and as a, an intellectual inheritor, uh, a philosophical and theological uh, uh, extender of the pontificate of John Paul II, right? So an intellectual inheritor. And so they feared him as much as they feared JP2. Now, the thing that makes fact number two the most convincing and the most inconceivable as straight-up fiction, it's got to be fact fiction, the way Martin claimed it was, is that fully five of the Sankt Gallen Mafia are named under slightly altered names in Windswept House. Correctly, as part of the mafia that forced the resignation of JP2 in this book. So you have names, concepts, and an action. Specifically, guys like the leaders of the Sankt Gallen Mafia, the first leader, uh, Cardinal Martini, the, the inheritor, the second leader after Martini also succumbed to Parkinson's, Silvestrini, and by my count, three or maybe four other members are bad guys in this Luciferian cadre, if I can use the term Luciferian in its loose, broad sense, who are trying to change forever the pontificate, basically dull it down, and we'll, we'll get to fact number three in a second, which is the purpose behind the purpose of the forced resignation. But they have, you have named names. This is not fiction. This has been vindicated. 20 years after this book was published, you have a Pope resignation forcing mafia with specific guys. And as a matter of fact, now let's get into to, to fact number three right now. The, the leadership of the mafia who forced the resignation in fiction, JP2, in real life, perhaps Benedict XVI, uh, Silvestrini, Achille Cardinal Silvestrini, who is called Cardinal Aretini, Silvio Aretini, which means like silver gold, even though his name means little silver in real life. Uh, he is considered one of the three most papabile in the story Windswept House, who will, according to the plans of the mafia, take over. After they force out JP2, the Slavic Pope, as he's called in the story, uh, Aretini, who is Cardinal Silvestrini, will be perhaps the leading contender pushed, canvassed by this, uh, which we also know there was canvassing for Cardinal uh, uh, Bergoglio in the real conclave of 2013 after what might have been a forced resignation of Benedict XVI. Uh, Oritini, Silvestrini, is the leading and the most papabili there, thereof. And 
Remember, the first leader who sort of began the Sant'Golan Mafia, according to Giulia Meloni and others, was, um, or uh, Silvestrini's predecessor, Cardinal Martini, who is also considered and featured on Time magazine as maybe the most papabile in real life after John Paul II. Cardinal Martini, he's a, a character named Michael Contino, also a Jesuit, in Windswept House. So this just can't be coincidental, right? Number one, there's an Agnes and Cardinal Bernardin. He's called Cardinal Leonardin in the book. Number two, there is a Pope resignation forcing mafia, just like in real life, apparently. Number three, this mafia was led by first Cardinal Martini, called Michael Cotinho, and later it was picked up by Cardinal Silvestrini, called Silvio Ariatini in the book. These three facts that Malachi Martin got correct 25 years ago, about 20 years before any of the sharpest blades in the Roman Catholic faithful, really even knew about the Sankt Gallen Mafia, would be staggering if we tried to consider it a mere lucky guess or life-emulating art through the, the uh, happenstance winds of uh, accident. No way. No how. Now, I'm not saying this is one of those spin-off facts that might not actually be a fact, but another mini fact that is correct is there is, was a 1984 Chicago murder in, in uh, Cardinal Bernadine's diocese of a priest in real life named Father Francis Pellegrini in, in the story Windswept House. His last name rhymed with Pellegrini. I forget what it is. Um, he was murdered for expo- kind of coming to Jesus and exposing his Chicago satanic coven of uh, pedo-satanist sex magic prelates. And guess what? This murder, too, seems to be all but fact, spoken of uh, by, by lots of these same exposers. Uh, I'm reading about it in this Renew America article, which covers past articles, one of which is by Roman Catholic faithful Stephen Brady. According to Malachi Martin, in the story, get this, the murderer of Father Pellegrini, which did happen in real life for exposing a satanic coven, allegedly, was none other than, I'm going to use his fictitious name, Cardinal Aretini, the most papabile, who, according to all the character keys of Windswept House, was Cardinal Silvestrini. Once again, I should have a copy of it right by me. Go read Julia Maloney's book, Sankt Gallen Mafia. Silvestrini is one of the two main characters, the second leader of the Gallen group, the Mafia. So that murder in 1984 did happen. It did happen in what what is called the Archdiocese of Century City, which I I haven't figured out. Does anyone know? If you do, mention it in the comments. Why is Chicago called Century City in Windswept House? I don't know. But these facts cannot be happenstance. The alignment of fiction facts and historical facts cannot 
in these three first regards be historical accident. No way, no how. Okay, so firstly, Agnes and Cardinal Bernadine, some sort of satanic enthronement. Secondly, a Pope resignation forcing mafia. And thirdly, it was led by Cardinal Silvestrini. These are named facts in fact fiction, proving that this is not straight up fiction. This is more fact than fiction, at least as to the big ideas. Sorry. Now, fourthly, is what I would call the final cause, the teleology, the goal of this group. And in Windswept House, it's called the process. What is the process? It's a conceptual mashup of synodality, Satanism, and globalism combining to reduce Christianity to ersatz religious sentiment only. And by the way, you might have guessed it, churchmen who are Satanists work on the process with people outside the church who are multinationalist, globalist Luciferians who are Freemasons to create what um, Obama and Clinton aide John Podesta called in 2012 a Catholic spring. Um, Really, really interesting stuff. The Obama administration might well know a good deal more about the Catholic spring than they've told us. And and, um, Sochi, the writer of Fourth Secret of Fatima and uh, The Secret of Benedict, Antonio Sochi, claims that the Obama admin, through the Podesta brothers, Satanist Podesta brothers, who apparently regularly attend spirit cooking dinners with the Satanist Marina Abramovich, that's a fact too, they, uh, in the WikiLeaks dumps, have sent out emails saying we need to create, foment this Catholic spring. And what the Catholic spring is designed to do is basically what Martin describes as the process, a combo, a mashup of synodality, Satanism, and globalism. By the way, Klaus Schwab, one of the masterminds behind uh, The Great Reset, he even wrote a book called The Great Reset, stuff relevant to the last three years specifically, is a character, an international banking character in Windswept House. I mean, shocked yet? It's just amazing. So the process as described by a a non-Catholic character who's a Mason in Windswept House, is a mashup of, he's he's not Catholic, but he knows the church will use something called synodality, a post-conciliar process of de-churching itself, which Francis has been accelerating. He's been putting his foot on the gas pedal. We're in the current process of the Synod on Synodality, which will commence, uh, which which will come to a head in about a year, And Francis has already said, we're going to make huge changes forever in the church in 2023. Synod on synodality. So this non-Catholic character knows about synodality in Windswept House. It combines with the Satanists inside the church as they team up with Masonic Satanists outside the church. There's some, some really interesting characters who are Masons outside the church, like Dr. Ralph Channing, if you read this book, um, and others who know a lot about church Satanism, as you'd expect, because they're their teammates. And of course, globalism, international banking 
globalism to bring about a new world order, to bring about the Antichrist, more or less. And to do so, you need to reduce Christianity to ersatz religious sentiment only. That's what the Masons have been all about for 300 years. That's what the process is. And, I mean, for us Catholics, we, we'll just call it synodality now. Call it the process, the way Malachi Martin does. Because if you're, you have a true view of the process, it also involves Satanism and globalism, I believe. Catholic Spring is what the Podesta brothers, the Satanists in Obama and Clinton's cabinets, called it. Also, highly, highly important figures to Pizzagate. Washington, D.C. era, uh, 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 area, pedophiles, satanic pedophiles. Do you see how all this goes together for one giant idea? Washington, D.C., where Pizzagate, a debunked, non-debunked true theory. This is important stuff. Remember what archdiocese did Cardinal McCarrick head? Or Washington, D.C.? I'm just saying. I have no facts connecting all these dots explicitly, but there are strong insinuations here that need to be looked into. Okay? Pedo, sex magic, whatever you want to call it, is, turns out to be really, really important to the enemies of the church. And Malachi Martin, in these four facts that he could not have stumbled into, except by astronomical one in a trillion odds. He could not have stumbled into them if he were writing them as fiction. There's no way they could have turned out to be fact. And the other, I guess the fifth fact is that he said that this was fact fiction. I mean, because people, because he's bit, he lived a conspicuous life, right? Was he, I, th I think all but, all but admitted to womanizing, all but admitted to being a modernist, in the 60s and early 70s. It's pretty interesting now that it's through his aiding action on uh, exorcisms that he learned it's all true. He became a Roman Catholic prelate that hadn't believed much before, then came to tradition and loving Jesus and the Holy Family and the Old Mass, the Latin Mass, through his action in exorcisms. Well, the fifth fact should be simply that he claimed that this was a book that should be called fact fiction. The names are barely changed. You don't have to be a smarty to figure out who's who, even if you didn't have the character key. Real life name, windswept house name. They're always close. And the fact that he claimed it and then we're corroborating all these details with the facts of history just means that he's telling the truth on the big ideas. I wish he wouldn't have changed the date of the 1957 enthronement rape of Agnes. I wish, I wish he'd kept it where it was. But it doesn't matter. That's covered by his disclaimer. Not all of the actual details are right, but everything you guys know to pick up the pieces are right. Bear also in mind that he makes very, very strong claims about the third secret of Fatima, that he'd read it, namely, and that the full thing was not going to be revealed. 
I think he was already dead by 2000. He died in 98 or 99 under very suspicious circumstances that looked like an accident. But he, um, the third secret of Fatima is tied up in a lot of his claims about Windswept House too. If I get into the way that they're tied in, according to Martin himself, then it will be a whole other show. The fact of the matter is, if you're a serious Catholic, a parish orphan, a retrograde, who loves tradition, who loves the old mass, and wants to see our Catholic culture restored, Martin, all in all, has offered a very comprehensive, comprehensible theory for why the ostensible good guys over the last 50 to 60 years of the church have done little to nothing to defend her. They actually couldn't. And it is sort of the answer to the Sphinx's riddle for the J2P2s out there that, that dearly love John Paul II and allow you to continue loving him and say, well, there's a legitimate impotency there. A preternatural impotency bought and paid for by a ritual rape and a ritual satanic enthronement inside and outside of the Vatican. If that's true, then that's quite an alibi. So I don't know, if, you, if you've read this book, reread it, unless you, you read it in, in the group that I did uh, with, quite frankly, it's probably recent enough. But if you haven't read it, you probably need to. Feel free to leave comments on this video, not just in the live chat, but I, I'd like to see what your thoughts on this book are. More, more, than, more than typical comments. Some videos uh, invite commentary by people that might be um, self-appointed experts and have really gone through this book multiple times and have researched all of its claims. I was just trying to keep up with the readings for our book club because we got through it in about 11 weeks. God bless you all. Don't, don't be fearful by these fearsome facts. Be chastened by them. Be strengthened by them. There is a real agency which opposes the church. And that agency has definitely combined with lots of wicked, bespoiled turncoat churchmen over the last 60 years to defile what is most sacred. It will not win out. We know who wins in the end. Deus Volt. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.